Good morning. This broadcast, unlike yesterday's, is live here at KPL. This is Peter John broadcasting on Rogue Grace. The reason why yesterday it wasn't alive was because I took my daughter, Bailey, to the doctor's. More of an emergency, in fact. One time, a couple of years ago, she got a lung infection. She was in the hospital 11 days. So she wasn't even close to touching my record of seven weeks. Not even close. Nice try, though. But uh, seriously, I want, we wanted to get that fixed, her lungs and stuff. So that was yesterday, and today she's good. She's back at school, which I don't know if it's good for her, but yeah, more like a bummer at South Medford. She likes her straight A's, though. So anyway, it's good to be back here with you on the radio. And yesterday was Monday. The day before, Sunday was our Easter service in the amphitheater, and it did not rain. Hallelujah. (laughs) And it was a beautiful time, sharing that time with you, God's people, celebrating together our living hope in Jesus Christ. And so it was great because my brother and my dad and myself were all able to preach the gospel, the word of God. Bunch of people got baptized. Good stuff, good food afterwards as well. But for me, I was able to share in a couple of minutes a little bit of what I'd been going through a couple months ago now. It's still sort of working through. And I'm reminded as I was doing that, that something you know as well, I'm sure, that the journey is not always pleasant, right? Whether you're 20, 40, 60 years old, married, single, healthy, ill, most people can agree, yeah, the journey, it's in life is a journey, is not always pleasant. But as Christians, we can say it is perfect. All things work together for good to them that love God. Romans 8, verse 28. I like how it says, not all things are good. (laughs) It says, all things work together for good. I like that. So, what you're going through is working together for a great and glorious purpose. Kind of like my buddy that I'm looking outside the window right now, sitting in the church lobby, Robert. 
I watch and I see, you know what? Everything he does here at the church in and of itself is not glorious in and of itself. The things that he's doing and, and cleaning and he is preserving the building uh, in and of itself. But you put it all together. I go, dude is a stud, sanctified, a servant, a saint. You put it all together. See what I'm saying? So too in life, you put it all together. In and of itself, what you're going through may seem not to be so glorious, but you put it all together. All things work together for good to them that love God. You love God? He's working it. It might not always be pleasant. Just like not all of Robert's jobs are pleasant. I don't think any of our jobs are always pleasant. But it is, I would say his work is perfect. (laughs) More accurately, God's work is perfect. Not always pleasant, but perfect. Romans 8, 28. Notice, all things work together for good to them that love God. It doesn't say, now work out everything together for good. We don't work. We do work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But in that very same verse, it speaks of, or I should say the very next verse, it speaks of the grace of God. Fear and trembling means how much I know I need God's grace. So we don't work, but God works. All things work together for good. So yesterday, no, no, no. Sunday, I was able to share a little bit about what my, what is left of my brain is undergoing And I know you have a story as well. Let me just remind you. All things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. So I would say, and I know you would agree to God be all thanks, honor, and glory. No matter what it is, you or I may be going through, he is working it together for the good. To God be the glory.
Welcome back. Robert Bayless. That's his name. You were wondering out there what Robert I was talking about. Robert Bayless is our extraordinaire when it comes to keeping this place beautiful. I really appreciate his work. Helping out guys like me, who otherwise leave a disaster. So, you are tuned in to Rogue Grace. Now, I want to give you a short little anecdote before our next song. Standing on the Oregon coast, we might have a contest in which whoever is able to leap from Oregon to Japan, traversing the Pacific Ocean in a single bound, would be the winner. In our attempts to do so, you may have jumped an entire foot further than I. In fact, not may have, you would have. But that distance is negligible due to the sheer distance that still remains. No matter how many good works one does or commands one keeps in order to justify themselves, it is all irrelevant because of the enormity of the chasm between each of us and the standard that perfection demands. So that was a little tiny excerpt from the book I wrote. It is finished. Seven stops in the quest for rest. Um, it's an old example, tried and true, of two people jumping on the coast and the winner is the one that reaches the other side neither do both fall short and so you might beat me by several inches or even a foot you still have a long ways to go and vice versa aren't you glad that there is one who traversed the ocean of righteousness the sea of the law. There is one who traversed it, who walked on water. And he did it not just for himself, but that now I can place my faith in him so that I am in God's eyes perfect. And so are you. What a God! glorious God that doesn't demand but he gives righteousness for we trust in our Unfailing love We will not be shy 
Romans and chapter 6 and verse 17. Thanks be to God that you used to be slaves to sin. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Now that you have been set free from sin, you have become slaves to God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You were slaves to sin now you are a slave to righteousness. What that means is just as you couldn't escape your sinfulness, no matter how many righteous things you did, you were still a slave to sin. Now, through Christ, you cannot escape your righteousness. Just as you could not escape your sinfulness, now through him, you cannot escape his righteousness. Because you are a prisoner of righteousness. I like that. Prisoners cannot escape. You're not an ex con of righteousness. You're not a former prisoner of righteousness. You are a prisoner of righteousness. Just as you were a prisoner of sin. Now, I've used this before, but it's worth reiterating that what sin is in the book of Romans. Sin is referred to as a noun 38 times and as a verb two times in the book of Romans. A noun 38, a verb two. Yet so often in Christianity and things that I have heard, not so much here at the fellowship, I just mean in general it's sin that is in the context of a verb, things you're doing, things you shouldn't be doing, a list of this and a litany of that. Okay, but it's much deeper than just a list of actions. It's a noun. It's a very essence of one's being that we were a slave to before Jesus Christ released us from that slavery and made us a slave to righteousness. Which means your righteousness is not based on what you are doing. Oh, what you are doing will reflect your righteousness. What you are doing 
will reveal that you are righteous, but it does not, as a Protestant, I believe this with all my heart, your righteousness is not based on what you do. Now, it may very well be validated as time goes on. And in many of our cases, slowly but surely, emphasize slowly, but it is not contingent upon what you do. If you're a Protestant, you believe that. I don't even care if you call yourself a Protestant or not. That's what the Bible teaches. I believe that with all my heart, because if it's anything else, I'm in big trouble. And I hate to tell you, but so are you. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. I read it's a gift. If he simply came to show us the way or to lead by example, it would be a religion. But if it is given it is a gift. Because even your believing is a gift. Ephesians chapter 2 says, even your receiving is a gift. Now, the reason why not everyone receives this gift of righteousness, which brings about peace, is because gifts tell us a lot about ourselves, don't they? When you get a gift from someone, it can very well tell you a lot about yourself, what that person thinks about you, what people think about you, what your needs are, what kind of personality you have. So often it can tell you a lot about yourself and can even be a little mm, insulting if under the wrong conditions, humbling better yet, better stated but it's a gift. It's a perfect gift. And as a gift, then it might be free for you, but it doesn't mean it was cheap from the person that gave it. And so too, the gift of God, which is righteousness unto eternal life, tells me a lot about myself, that I need righteousness. I can be insulted by that. I can be humbled by that, but I need that. And though it's free it was not cheap Christ made an overpayment when he laid down his life now that's why people don't receive the free gift of righteousness and salvation because they don't like being humbled Now 
Welcome back. I want to talk to you at this segment about Jesus's faith for you. That's right. Not in you so much. His faith for you. Because we always are emphasizing that we need to have faith, right? And there's a place for that. It's found in the New Testament. Yes. Grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, and we're to be strong in the faith, no doubt. But only because Jesus has faith for you. Example, Acts chapter 3, where there was a paralytic who was begging Peter and John for money, and silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. That was Scott Matson with the, the music, the instruments. So they heal this guy, right? And people are tempted to give Peter and John all the credit. And Peter says, no, 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 no. You know the story. But listen to what he says about faith. He says in uh, his response, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. Listen to this. It is in 
Jesus's name and the faith that comes through him that is given complete healing to this man. <laughs> even whatever level of faith you have, even that is a gift. So stop depending on your own faith for healing or strength or breakthrough. True faith. Here, you want to know what, true, as I look at Acts 3 and other places in the New Testament, true faith is resting in his faith. His faithfulness. Well, doesn't Jesus say often to people, your faith has made you well? Yes. But he's giving credit for what he has done, and they are simply going to emphasize what Jesus has already done. For example, when Jesus told them to throw their nets to the other side, to the disciples, right? He then says, bring now the fish you have caught. Well, he's the one that told them. He's the one that gave them the catch, but you have caught. So he gives you credit for obeying and listening. He gives you credit for faith that comes from him. So don't think for one minute, oh, it's my faith. You simply have the faith to latch on to his. I simply have the faith that he has the faith. <laughs> he has faith. What he did on the cross is more than enough. It is not yours or mine that makes all the difference. And so the reason I'm bringing that up, as you may know, there is a few scriptures in the New Testament that can be translated because of a lack of a preposition, we call it in the English, of a little word like in or of. So we might say have faith in Christ, or we might say have faith of Christ, but that little prep in or of, not in the original language of the New Testament, not in the Greek. So for example, Paul says, I live by the faith of the Son of God in Galatians, right? I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's how we read it. Um, the KJV has it right. Some translation have tra changed that to say, I live in the, or from the faith in the son of God, but no, I live by the faith of the son of God, um, is a good translation, but I live in the faith of the son of God is in my opinion, the perfect translation. In other words, Well, I'll, I'm getting above my head after my surgery, but subjective genitive is the phrase there. It's the possession of person. So I live by the faith of the son of God. Christ, in other words, is my all, including my faith. Thank you, Jesus, that you have faith. 
That's why we say faith is rest. I'm not conjuring up or trying to drum up some kind of faith within me in my own power. Even that is a gift of God. Now, I don't really know if everything I just said made sense or not. I'm still trying to put my brain back together. Better yet, I hope and pray God puts it back together. So let me just kind of try to distill it down a little bit. It's not your faith. Even that is a gift. It is your faith in Jesus's faith. His faithfulness. I'm going to rest in him. So as Acts chapter 3 says, literally, the faith that is through and by Jesus has made this man whole. Isn't that beautiful? As Peter says to the crowd around that former paralytic, Peter says there in Acts chapter 3, it is, in, it is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has given complete healing to this man. It's all a gift. So my point is this. Don't have all the emphasis on your faith. Rest in Jesus' faith. In his faithfulness. Rest in grace. You are alive, you are 
God has finished the work. And in any area you really, really believe this, you are in his rest. So take any compartment or area of your life and where you believe God has finished the work, you are in his rest. Now, think about this with me. Look what Jesus was able to accomplish in three and a half years to God's glory. He was never in a hurry, but always measured in his response. If, for example, a girl was dying and he's told that she is dying by a leader in the community who is her father. Many of us, if we received that kind of report, would have run. But Jesus did not run. You never see Jesus in a rush. And he accomplished more in three and a half years than any of us will accomplish in 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years. But as you look at Jesus, he was never hurried, always measured. He accomplished all that he was called to do in three and a half years when it comes to salvation. So how long we labor in our work does not always determine how we're going, how much we're going to produce. You might be in a big season of production. You might feel as though you're in a season that is limited. That doesn't make or break your ministry, your place in the kingdom. Jesus did it all, if you would, that we have record of in three and a half years. So what's my point? Jesus brings true rest. Under the old covenant, you work and then you rest. But now in the new covenant, 
you enter God's rest, and then he empowers you to do what he has called you to do. I love sharing the good news. I've got a great profession. Thank you for tuning in. I just wrote a new little deal article, if you would, on my website at peterjohncorson.com. If you want to check it out, you're more than welcome to. We also have Easter's sermon on there. And there's also a website called johncorson.com. You might want to check that out. It's only got a few resources, including every book of the Bible and commentary on that. So either John Corson, Peter John Corson, either way, may Jesus Christ be rich, powerful, shining in your perspective because your eyes are focused on him. Thank you for tuning in. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he keep you. Should he tarry, I will talk to you tomorrow.